Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. We're going to look today at uh, Matthew 24. Now, it's kind of interesting just talking to people, uh, even people who are, really have a lot of knowledge of the Bible and really studied it. And when you, when you talk to them and ask them about the last days, you know, the time uh, right before Jesus returns. A lot of people are pretty sketchy about that. They're like, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about that kind of thing. And if you're one of those people, like you're going like, yeah, I I know that Jesus is going to return, but I'm not really certain about the sequence of events or anything like that. This is your chapter. I think when you're talking about the last days, Matthew 24 is always the place to start. Don't start like in Revelation. Don't start in Daniel. Don't start in 2 Thessalonians 2. It's like start in Matthew 24 because these are the words of Jesus and he's going to take us through the sequence of events that lead up to his return to take us to be with him. So we want to hear this this morning and this is kind of a serious thing, uh, something that uh, is really going to call us to like, okay, examine our lives and okay, how am I living in the light of what's going on and what's, what's going to happen? So I'm going to take you quickly through this. I'm going to roll right, right through this thing. It might take a little while, but I'm going to go fast through this particular chapter because we need to hear the whole thing. Uh, I think Jesus is like really earnest with his disciples on this, and I think he's really earnest with us uh, wanting to hear this or having, he wants us to hear this. So um, let's, take, let's start out here with uh, chapter 24, verse 1. And it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. It was pretty obvious if you look at the parallel passages. They're awed by this temple. And this was, you know, one of the big wonders of the world. It's a big, beautiful, awesome place. They're going like, isn't this marvelous, you know? But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. He says, this whole building is going down. And that, this particular prediction was fulfilled. In fact, this is kind of interesting, just looking up the history on this, the closest date that they can figure out to when the temple was actually destroyed by the Roman armies led by General Titus, who later on uh, became emperor, the closest date they can figure out is it must have occurred right around August 9th. Isn't that amazing? Uh, 70 AD. So exactly 1950 years ago today, this prediction of Jesus came true. It came true in a big way. As Jerusalem was leveled, the temple destroyed. And if you look at that picture that's in the, uh, in the inset right there of those stones, those are actually the literal stones from the temple, the outside walls of the temple, that were thrown down into the street by the Roman armies. They're still there to this very day. So that fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy Now, the rest of the chapter is not dealing with stuff that's already occurred, but stuff that's going to occur. So let's take a look at that. And we're going to look at not not the fate this time of the temple. I mean, the temple was doomed from the moment Jesus died on the cross, right? Because now God's presence, his spirit came to live inside his people. There was no need for a physical building anymore. So let's take a look at the fate of the world. And the theme of this teaching comes up right away. So later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives looks across a valley 
to that temple. So he's, he's sitting there, and his disciples came to him privately. They're still thinking about this, oh, yeah, the temple's going down thing. And they said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? They, wanna, they got several questions, right? So Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. This is the theme of his teaching. Over and over again, he's going, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't be tricked. This, you know, the end times are going to be times of great confusion. And it's, it's like people are really going to be like, what's going on here? And there's going to be many, many people totally deceived and it's going to cause their destruction. So he's going, don't be fooled. The reason I'm telling you this teaching here is so when it happens, you're going to go like, I get it. You'll be one of the few clueless people left in the world. He says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. There's going to be a lot of people that, uh, you know, that popular opinion is going to run after. They're going, that guy's got the answer. That guy knows what he's talking about. That's, the, that's where the answers are. And he's going, don't believe that stuff. Now, Jesus uses a, an image here of a woman in labor. And those of you who, you know, who are moms here, you'll understand this kind of thing because you've gone through this process, right? I've seen it from a distance here uh, when my wife gave birth. And the way I saw it was like it seemed to start out with these contractions. There was some, some pain, but it, didn't, it was just sort of sporadic for a while. It's what I guess they call Braxton Hicks contractions. And it's like when a first-time mom first has these like labor pains, it's like her first inclination is to go like, whoa, it's happening, time to go to the hospital. And they always tell you what? Don't go, it's going to be a while, you don't want to sit in a hospital for days, I'll just send you home. And so there's like the early stuff, and then things start to get more, and they get quicker, right? And they get more intense, and pretty soon it's getting very painful, and it gets very, very intense, painful, quick moving at the end. And then finally, after the great pain, there's the blessed event, right? That's what they used to call it, and it certainly is, you know, the birth of that child, this is a culmination, and that's the way this thing is going to go here. So we start with the early warning signs. Oh, there's the picture, okay? So um, verse 6, Jesus says, You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now that word nation there, is in the Greek is ethne, and it's the word for people groups. It's like we're talking here about ethnic and racial strife that's going to occur. Does that ring any bells with you? But that's been going on forever, hasn't it? It's like different tribes, different people groups, different races are all mad at each other, blaming each other, pointing fingers, fighting against each other. And kingdom against kingdom, and then he says there'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, environmental problems. But all this is only the first of birth pains, with more to come. So he's going, don't go like, oh, this is, this is it. He's going, there's still more to come. And that leads us to the next stage of the labor, the intensifying events. So here's where things start to heat up. He says, then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. So there's going to be worldwide hatred of Christians, worldwide hatred of the followers of Jesus. 
all over the world. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the world right now, you're seeing this, aren't you? I mean, in India, persecution against believers is heating up. Uh, you see this in China right now, just recent developments where established churches there that had been left alone are being bulldozed. Uh, house church pastors, you know, the unofficial church, which is so huge in China, disappearing. Uh, the Chinese government under Xi Jinping is now insisting that the Three Self Church, which is the big Protestant church there, used the, the writings of Xi Jinping instead of the Bible as the basis of sermons. And the Chinese communist government has taken upon itself to revise the Bible and then use that as the authorized translation in China. There's lots of hostility toward Christians and, and other religions as well, as you probably know if you've been following the news. And this is happening everywhere you go. And we're starting to see this more and more in America too, aren't we? Where it used to be that like progressive theologians would, would try to explain away what the Bible says. And now they're just basically, their thing is kind of like, yeah, the Bible clearly says this is right, this is wrong. But we don't accept the Bible. You know, so they're just coming, all that hostility is coming out uh, like in the open. And it says, and many will, t oh, and we're even hearing stories about protesters burning Bibles. You know, so it's like they're going like, we don't like you Christians, and we don't like what you're teaching about this and that and this and that. And so you've got to go. And many of you, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And we've seen a lot of high-profile believers recently just kind of turn their backs and go like, I'm done with Christianity. I apologize for the things that I used to teach. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. We just wanted to give you an example of the false prophets and sometimes the, you know, the, way, the disguises that they use. This is a book that just came out called Veritas. And it's an interesting story by Ariel Sabar about this Harvard professor. Um, her name is uh, Dr. Karen Lee King, and a uh, big shot professor. And about five years ago, she's the one that came out with the gospel of Jesus' wife. Have any of you heard that about that? Did you hear about that at the time? It was kind of a big splash in the media. It shows how fast these things come and go, right? Um, she claimed that she had discovered this little fragment of four words from a hundred, you know, from the first century A.D., she claimed, that said that Jesus had a wife. You know, it was like four words. Jesus said, my wife. And she, go, she said, this discredits the whole New Testament account about Jesus. And she had some other scholars who were going, yeah, 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 this looks like an authentic piece right here. And the media picked this up. Harvard was like pumping this stuff out, right? Harvard University. And then the whole story started to fall apart. And they started, uh, people started putting this whole thing together, and it turned out that this particular little manuscript or uh, parchment that they had actually was a forgery that came from the 21st century that was actually put together by a very clever pornographer in Florida. And he sold it to this woman as the real thing, and she, a scholar, bought into this. And then they started realizing, wait a minute, all the peer reviewers who were questioning this, they were like censored from the theological publications. It was like people wanted to believe that the Bible could be discredited. And the, the guy who wrote the book said this, he said, Ms. King's ideological commitments 
were choreographing her practice of history. In other words, her beliefs that the Bible was wrong led her down a road where she was willing to believe anything to try to discredit the Bible. That's how hostile people are. You know, it'll just color their judgments because they don't want to hear about Jesus and they don't want to hear what the Bible says. And Jesus says that's going to be like intensifying as the end draws near. And then he goes on and he says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Sin will be rampant. You know, think about what's happened in your and my lives. You know, there was a day if somebody was like broken down by the side of the road or somebody come to your door for help, you and I would help, we'd open our doors, right? But because there's so much crime and so much wickedness out there, what's happened? We've kind of withdrawn from each other, haven't we? We're going, this could be a setup. I could be a victim here. I, I, I better back off. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Love will grow cold because society's become so wicked and so selfish. Um, my son-in-law was in last weekend. We had a big get-together for our anniversary, and we had all these grandkids at our, at our house and, and, and most of my kids. And my son-in-law is a doctor, and he showed me this picture from the newspaper. And it's this young teacher out in California, and she's holding up this poster. She's opposing opening the schools. And she's going, murder was not in the job description. Um, and he goes, look at that woman there. You know, and we don't know what her problem is. I mean, maybe she's got underlying conditions and all this stuff. But he says, look at that attitude that's being projected there. And he's going, he says, I thought teachers were supposed to be all about kids, but this woman is just projecting this attitude of, like, selfishness. And he said to me, aren't you sometimes ashamed of your profession? And I said to him, you know, I don't, uh, you know, the teachers that I know from my church and my school, that's not their attitude at all, you know? But then he said something interesting. He said, well, I'm starting to be ashamed of mine. Now, he's a doctor in Wisconsin. And he said, you know what? We doctors have always been like, yeah, I love this job. They pay me tons of money. And he goes, I get all this respect. You know, we're the healers and we're the heroes and everything. But he says, you know what's happening in the last weeks and months? He says, I'm hearing a lot of my colleagues going, why should I have to do a job where I can risk getting sick? This is not, I don't, I didn't sign up for this. And he says, they're all like talking about quitting and leaving. And he says, that bothers me. He said, I, you know, if we're going to be in this job, we've got we to be in this for the other people. We've got to be willing to take those risks. And he says that selfishness is just creeping into our attitudes all over the place. Well, that's what Jesus was talking about, wasn't he? And isn't that the case? I mean, I know every time I've been sick in my life, it has turned me into an even more selfish person than I already am, Right? I mean, I don't sit there and go, like, how can I help others? I'm going, I'm hurting, help me, you know, it's all about me. And I think about all the terrible things that can happen to me, you know. And living in a society where we're constantly being bombarded with a fear of illness, you know, and you're going to kill your grandma, you know, and all this kind of stuff. We've become, we've drawn inward, haven't we? And we're just, we're just going, like, how can I protect myself and we're unwilling to step out there. And that's the kind of thing that's happening, Jesus says, as things intensify. 
But here's the good news. The good news is going to spread anyway, in spite of all the hostility toward believers, and in spite of society's tendencies to be selfish and withdraw and just to be evil. He says, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So every people group is going to get a chance to hear because it's, you know, it's, it says in the Bible that in heaven there's going to be representatives from every different people group all throughout the world. You know, it's just going to be this big conglomerate of people who love Jesus right there. The good news is going to spread. And you know what Jesus said? The time of persecution is going to be a time where you're going to have opportunities to do that that you never would have before. I'll show you an example. Uh, Jake showed me this the other day. This guy right here, his name is uh, Jonathan Isaac. He's a, uh, he plays for the Orlando Magic in the NBA. He was the only NBA player who stood for the national anthem. The only one who didn't wear the shirt and stood. He took a lot of heat for that. He took shots, not from the fellow players, but from the media. They were like incensed about this. And they just keep pressing him about this. Like, how dare you do this? And this is, I want to show you his statement, because this is, this is exactly the way a believer reacts. He said, each and every one of us do things that we shouldn't do and say things we shouldn't say. We hate and dislike things that we shouldn't hate and dislike. And sometimes it gets to a point where we point fingers. Whose evil is worse? And sometimes it comes down to whose evil is most visible. So I felt like I wanted to take a stand on. We all make mistakes, but I think the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there's grace for us and that Jesus came and died for our sins and that if we all come to an understanding of that and that God wants us, wants to have a relationship with us, that we can get, we can get kept from all the things in our world that are messed up and jacked up. I think that when you look around, racism isn't the only thing that plagues our society, that plagues our nation, that plagues our world. And I think coming together on that message that we want to get past not only racism, but everything that plagues us as a society, I feel like the answer to that is the gospel. Isn't that awesome? I mean, here he's getting harassed and pressed, and, and these guys are going, what, is, what does religion have to do with this whole thing and stuff? And he just takes this opportunity not to play politics, but to do what? To share about Jesus Christ. I got this off of CBS's website. I'm going, it's so cool. CBS is, is uh, sharing the gospel with us. You know, thanks to believers taking advantage of situations like this. And Jesus says, hey, in spite of all the hostility, the gospel is going to go out. And then the end will come. Now, here he gets to a thing. He's going, hey, now I'm going to give you a stern warning right now about a very confusing time. So this is kind of a big deal, so let's pay attention to this. Now, first of all, let me define a few terms. It's going to talk about the abomination that causes desolation in the holy place. So in the place of worship, true worship, there's this abomination. Abomination all throughout the Bible is connected to idolatry, a false object of worship, right? So there's this false object of worship that causes great destruction in the place of where God ought to be, okay? So let's see what the word says. So Jesus says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, then Matthew interjects, 
Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world till now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So you're going like, whoa. So this, this guy comes along here, whatever, and it's going to cause trouble, he says, in, especially in Judea. Now, Judea is the southern part of Israel. It's where Jerusalem is. And when people look at this, they're going, okay, now, is he talking about what's going to happen in 70 AD when Jerusalem gets demolished? Or is he talking about the end times, which he's been talking about right up till now? And the answer is yes. It's both, I think. I think, first of all, and by the way, historians tell us that followers of Jesus, when the Roman armies came toward Jerusalem, they did exactly what Jesus said. They split. They escaped with their lives because they took this warning. But the Bible's pretty clear that in the last days, the focus is also going to be on Israel. Armies are going to come against Israel. I mean, you can see the Middle East is still heating up, isn't it? And these things are going to take place there. So it's also a time just to be aware that things are going to be happening there in the Middle East. And so Jesus is going, hey, it's going to be bad, bad, bad times. This is kind of like a split-focus prophecy where you see the, in the foreground, you see 70 A.D. And then in the deep background... And there's other prophecies like this in the Bible that seem to be like two focuses, you know, and Jesus is talking about that. Beware. Now, he says, then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. He's going, there's going to be some really deceptive stuff going on. Supernatural miracles. 2 Thessalonians 2 says that Satan is going to like invest in this guy and he's going to give him the ability to do things which are amazing. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me that leadership in our time on all levels is just pathetic, that we're just not getting good leadership from uh, all the way down to the local level and and. and church, education, wherever you go. I mean, it's just like we're crying out. But what if somebody actually came along who was a great leader who had all kinds of answers and it was like, whoa, people would go crazy. They'd go like, oh, I love this guy. He's awesome. What if he could do amazing things too? And Jesus is going, beware, beware, because this guy's going to come in my name. He's going to claim to be the one to believe in. And he goes, I've warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as a gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. <clears throat> he's going, don't think that I'm going to be setting up my kingdom in this world at the end. He says, I'll come so fast, and in an instant, and he's, he's going to tell us later, in the clouds, it, it, if you have an earthly Messiah, he's false. He's false. 
Uh, if you need to look at other stuff about this, you know, in Daniel 7 to 9, they give details about the ruler who will come is what he's called, the man of lawlessness he's called in 2 Thessalonians 2. 1 John 4 mentions the Antichrist. Uh, Revelation 13 talks about the beast. These are all uh, places where there's like more details fleshed out. You know, um, back in November, there was a family out at Disneyland uh, in California, and they were at Tarzan's treehouse, and you see that like rope bridge there. And this dad's there with three of his sons, and uh, the dad goes, okay, we're going to cross that rope bridge. It's going to be all fun. And the sons are going, no, it looks scary. We don't trust it. Dad's going, don't worry about it. You can trust it. It's going to be fine. And they're going, no, no. He goes, look, trust me. I'll show you. So he goes out on the bridge, and he jumps up and down several times on it and crashes through. You know, now, he, he was not injured. He managed to catch on. And they, got, they rescued him. But this is going to be the way it is in the last days. It's going to be like, okay, who do you trust? Do you trust your eyes? Do you trust the media? Do you trust what all your neighbors are saying where they're going, ooh, this guy is awesome? Or are you going to trust what Jesus says? You know, everything is going to depend on that. And then Jesus says, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And now we get what we've all been waiting for, that birth, that blessed event, the harvest of believers, the culmination of the birth pains. And Jesus says this, And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. You know, and if you and I are still alive when that day comes, he'll come in the clouds, and you and I, he says, will be gathered to be with him in the clouds. We'll be gone. And we'll be raised from the dead in our brand new resurrection bodies, and we'll join those believers who have already died and are with the Lord, who have also been raised at this time, and will be with the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? He's go and you know what's interesting? Jesus kind of cuts off the teaching at this point. I mean, the sequence of events. I mean, my question is always, okay, what's happening down on earth with the rest of the dudes who are down there, right? Jesus is going, don't worry about it. You're going to be with me. I'll take care of that, you know? And there's other stuff in the Bible that talks a little bit more about that. Jesus' return is, is uh, not going to be a shock to us, but it will be a surprise. He says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you this, the truth, this generation, which could also be translated this race or this nation, will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. So we're going to go like, you know, I figured it was coming pretty soon here. We saw all this stuff. But, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And he says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets 
and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. He says people in the world are going to be like, whoa, what's this? This will just like take them totally unawares. You know, it's going to be kind of like this. This is a picture in the background of the Great Circus Fire in Hartford, Connecticut in July 6, 1944, when 160 people died in a circus fire. The tent caught fire and killed them. And, um, you know, Soren Kierkegaard wrote about that 75 years before it happened. He told a little parable. He talks about this time the circus starts on fire and a clown comes in and he warns all the people and they just laugh. They figure he's a clown, right? And he goes and he starts shouting, no, you've got to get out. Save your lives. We've got to get out of here. And they just laugh. And Kierkegaard says, our age will go down in fiery destruction, not to the sound of mourning, but to applause and cheering. You know, we live in a time where people just aren't serious about the things of God. They've just blown them off. And it's going to be to their own detriment. And that's a serious warning for us that we take this seriously too. You know, he says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. It's like there's going to be co-workers, but one is, it goes to be with the Lord and one's left. You know, it's like there's going to be families that will be split. Just because you're in a Christian family or you have Christian friends, it's not going to be enough. You know, it's like it's just going to be the Lord's people. And so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. We've got to keep our eyes on this. That's so important. And Jesus closes the teaching now and he talks about two servants and two reactions. And these two servants, you and I will fit into one or the other category. And it's really, we're going to have to make a choice. So he says, first of all, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. You know, may all of us in this room be the kind of person who is like, I'm going to be about the Lord's business. It's not going to be about me, but it's going to be about serving him. And even if there's risks that are involved, I'm going to do it. You know, even if it's inconvenient to me, even if it makes me tired, even if I feel like I'm burned out, I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ because I know that his, my future is in his hands. And it's like my destiny is, that is his. And he's going, there'll be a reward for you. And you'll be given responsibilities in the new kingdom. He's going, I know I can trust you. You've done well. But what if that servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are going to be people who were like associated with Jesus, who were part of a church maybe. They were people who served on boards or whatever the deal is. But they're, uh, fundamentally they're living for themselves. It's all about them. 
It's like, okay, life is here for me to enjoy, to be comfortable. And that's what the whole thing is. And he's going like, I'm not going to put up with that. They're going to get the boot. And you know what? As you and I think about this teaching here this morning, it's a serious thing. You know, just teaching this thing, it's just like riveted home to me the importance of being serious about this and following Jesus and, and taking his command seriously and saying, you know what? Yeah, I want to be selfish. I just want it to be about me. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to do my own thing and, and have fun. But you know what? I got to keep my eyes on the prize. I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. And you and I have a choice this morning. We've got, uh, the stakes are huge. We want to be those faithful, sensible, loyal servants, don't we? Let's pray. Father, uh, we come to you this morning. We thank you that you've given us the privilege of being part of your plan, your eternal plan. And you've got, you got a destiny for us to be, to be with you, Lord Jesus, and to be your people rejoicing with you. And so I pray this morning that you'd keep our eyes fixed on the prize, that, you would, uh, that you'd help us to be serious about this, that we wouldn't get distracted. Lord, keep us from deception. So much like lie and fakery and, and just like, you know, stuff out there that's getting distorted and it's like the evil one is so much at work, Lord, protect us. Strengthen us, encourage us. Lord, there's a joy uh, to be walking with you and I pray that we would experience that in its fullness and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.